Rocco, you're not in the holiday spirit, man. <laughs> I'm not recording this episode until you get happy. I am in the holiday spirit. I just uh, look at him. Do you see him pouting like a little kid? He's pouting <laughs> like a little kid, Zeb. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's going in the outtakes, don't you? See what I mean, Zeb? I don't know what his attitude problem is. I said I said you were on the ball. I give you a clap and let you you complain, you whine. It's so hard to know with all those insults which oh, ones are coming. Yeah, you don't know. But, uh, oh <laughs> I'll just turn my camera off. Zeb, here, do the podcast with him, will you? Tired <laughs> <laughs> of the whining. Rocco, I need you to perk up and get ready for the holidays. I'm ready for the holidays, dude. You don't. You're not even smiling Wait, right now. Look at you. Fact, there's you're a, frowning. There's there is exactly. He's constipated. Constipating. He's concentrating. <laughs> yes. Oh there's man. There's exactly two days, seven hours, and ten minutes left until Christmas. Just yeah, so you know. Rocco, I just Googled constipation for you to see if we can find a remedy. <laughs> and it looks like there could be severe uh, abdominal pain, bloating, and a feeling as if you have not completely uh, passed a movement. But uh, hopefully there's some good recommendations here for you. Dr. Geek. Dr. Geek. <laughs> <laughs> that was just too much information, I'm afraid. Yeah, I think oh, find was... a laxative. TMI. You ready, Rocco? I don't know, dude. Am I ready? You don't look in the holiday spirit. You want me to sing to you? We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Are you like... uh... Everything will come some, 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 some. <laughs> we wish you that's so sad that the younger generation doesn't remember the words everybody ready ready what episode is this <laughs> sorry okay hold on let me get my document up for crying out loud <laughs> No, 51. All right, I got it. I'm on it. All right. (laughs) What's happened to you? He went from angry pants to laugh a lot. Because he's he's so wanted to say... Welcome to episode 51 of Constipation. Uh, I, I, it just <laughs> gone right over into my head. So, uh, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> All right. Be serious. Game face. Game face. Game face. Game face. Welcome to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. Welcome to episode 51. I'm Rocco. And I'm Ryan. And this is Destination Linux. So, <laughs> I'm sorry, I gotta stop. <laughs> in the in the uh, pre-show here, we were talking and there was just too much humor going on. So, uh, I apologize for the ridiculous intro here. But anyway, we have along with us today, PZ, Producer Zeb. How you doing, Zeb? 
Hi, everybody. I'm good, thank you. And Ryan, how are you? I am doing fantastic. <laughs> I cannot wait to see the bloopers on this one. He's anyway, in the holiday spirit. that's right. I am in the holiday spirit. And Rocco, you're getting there, right? It's you're about getting... time, huh? Yeah. No. So we got a lot to cover today. Uh, we are going to cover some Ubuntu news. Maybe hmm. not so good. Uh, a couple desktop releases and all exclusive gaming news from what Ryan's been playing this week. And there's lots on there. Lots on there. All right. So we have an issue with Ubuntu right now, and it comes at a bad time because, you know, like Ubuntu has had a great year. So you'd almost say this was the year of Ubuntu. Yeah. I mean, like, I I think Solus has has impacted um, Linux on a whole a little bit more because that was my pick for the biggest change. But you can't deny that Ubuntu has had a big year. So. There's some bad news, Ryan. There is some bad news here, and it's it, it couldn't come at a worse time uh, when a lot of people were probably looking. First of all, let's start with a lot of people, if they're go, get, going to get into Linux, are probably going to want to use Ubuntu. And when you first get into Linux, the idea of using an LTS or whatnot, you're going to look for the latest version. At least that's what I did. So a lot of people probably follow that same. They're going to look for what's the latest version and download it. Unfortunately, though, if you download the latest version today, well, you can't because it's been pulled, as I understand it. There is a very serious bug in there that basically impacts the BIOS. And for certain laptops, although that certain laptop's list kind of keeps growing from Lenovo and Toshiba and everything else, it basically will corrupt the BIOS. And since that's a flash-based memory, you guys know if you're ever flashing a motherboard and then you uh, accidentally have a power outage in the middle of it, you could pretty much kiss that uh, motherboard goodbye. It's very, very difficult. Uh, a lot of motherboards don't even have the flash to the point where you can replace it uh, anymore. Back in the day, we used to, but uh, it's not as easy anymore. You'd have to desolder it. But in any case, so it's a major impact. It's not like some small bug that you can find a workaround for. This can take a computer out. So we here at Destination Linux do a lot of planning ahead so, like, we reached out to different people. No, we really only reached out to a guy, like, like five minutes before the episode. And, hey, can you talk about this? But he's an awesome guy. <laughs> but, and he agreed well, to it. Well, no, so we reached out to Simon Quigley, and he is going to join us now and talk about what this bug is and what it affects. And more importantly, maybe what we can do about it. There you go. Simon, For the, most of the people know you who you are. But for those of the people that don't know who you are, tell us about yourself. Hi, I'm Simon Quigley. I'm the, the Lubuntu release manager. Um, I'm also on the development team for Kubuntu and just an Ubuntu developer in general. I'm just generally around in the Ubuntu community doing a little bit of everything. Right. In, in other words, he has a lot more insight into this than we do. Right? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what's the lowdown on this? this issue with the BIOS with 1710? So the issue is on certain Lenovo laptops, and there's also um, a couple of different laptops, such as like some Acer laptops and Toshiba laptops, where when you install Ubuntu 1710 on that laptop, it basically puts the BIOS into a state where um, whenever you try to, to write to that BIOS, it won't save your settings. And in some cases it completely breaks the computer. 
Wow. Gosh. So I also noticed that USB support was gone as well after that. Mm-hmm. Man, it's that's it, a it, that's a big bug. Mm-hmm. It, the the issues I've seen have varied from from person to person. To be honest, um, some some people I've just seen where it just they just can't save settings in their BIOS. Other people they just can't even turn on the computer. Although the most common the most common symptoms of this are that they just can't save the BIOS settings and they're having trouble because of that. They can't boot up certain devices, that sort of thing. Now, this has happened in the past on Windows platforms as well, where Windows has done something that's impacted uh, the BIOS, and they even have a tool called a reflashing tool that they developed because of this. So mm-hmm. you can actually go download the Windows reflash tool to reflash your BIOS. Now, BIOS reflashing is a very volatile thing, even though a lot of people do it because it's gotten much better than it was back in the day, a lot more re- uh, reliable. Is that something that they're looking at here in the Linux world or is your computer when it's done you can't reflash it you're just done mm. so at the moment when it was discovered it, it the, the downloads were completely disabled for Ubuntu but I'd just like to note that this isn't from what I can tell an Ubuntu specific issue it's an oh, issue wow. in the the Linux kernel driver for the Intel SBI module it's a module that that deals with that sort of thing and I've also I've seen reports of people having this issue on Antergos as well um, wow. And it could oh, be um, an issue on Debian as well. I'm not. I, I'm not entirely sure on that, given that Ubuntu contributes a lot of stuff upstream to Debian. So this isn't an Ubuntu specific thing. But to answer your question, that is that's something that they're looking at at the moment. I know for a fact that they have released an update to um, to Ubuntu 17.10 that just completely disables that module. And that when that module is disabled it will no longer brick the laptops in the way that it does, but they would like to figure out, you know, how exactly it's doing that. So they have a better chance at fixing it for users that already have been affected by this. That's still a work in progress at this point in time, but the canonical kernel team and in in partnership with Lenovo actually are working on this. That's not official, but I've just seen chatter within the IRC channel, stuff like that. I was going to say, because surely some of the onus must fall upon the BIOS manufacturers themselves. Mm. How are they letting an operating system interact with their working so much that it that it can freeze them out? Because it's not happening on all laptops. So it mm. must be specific to the way that these biases have been put together. So it's not all Ubuntu's fault, surely. Right. And I think part of it is that I've seen different theories on why this could be happening, specifically from like the maintainer of that module in the Linux kernel itself. Some people say it's an implementation issue on the on behalf of Lenovo, which could be could very well be what it is. It could be that in, that Linux implements the standard correctly, and and Lenovo just doesn't follow that. I mean, like I said, where there's there's still in the in the stage right now where they're figuring out exactly what this issue is. Mm-hmm. Like I said, there's some theories, but nothing's really official as to what's actually going on here. Yeah, are, uh, are Ubuntu going to make public? That you, that's the statement you just made that it's just not Ubuntu specific because there's a lot of aggression at the moment towards Ubuntu because of this mistake. And if it's not just them, then it needs to be softened out somewhat. I know on behalf of, of Ubuntu, when I make the announcement on, on behalf of the team, that's going to be, I'm probably going to explain a little bit of what went on once the results are published myself. I'm not sure if Ubuntu proper will do that, 
But I know for a fact that Ubuntu was pulled, Ubuntu and every single Ubuntu 17.10 flavor, as they share the common kernel, they were pulled from the, the CD image mirrors. So in within the next, I, I envision within the next week or two, although that time could be off, the images will be respun because at the moment they they took the 17.10 images down. And, and that's for all flavors that they took down, right? Yes, that's for all flavors. So... And, you know, wait for a fix to come. Right. Is there any idea of how many people have been impacted by it? I know there's a varying degree. Some people have a major issue. Some don't have just minor uh, mm. problem. But any idea of how many users are impacted? On the Launchpad report, um, just to look at that real quick, on the bug report that was in Launchpad, this number could be more, a lot more than this, actually, given that Ubuntu 17.10 was released months ago, and it was an issue that shipped with Ubuntu 17.10. That were that was just now discovered and gotten to the bottom of, but it the launchpad bug report at this at this current time says eighty six people. Okay, so could be limited to the amount of people that have those specific laptops with that specific BIOS in it, right? That happen to use Ubuntu. Yeah, so yeah. you have a, a multitude of Lenovo uh, lines of laptops, including the uh, Z fifty that. Mm. Uh, Zeb PZ has. Um, <laughs> you have the Acer Aspire, Acer Travelmate, and Toshiba satellites. But the bug affects machines from, it says, according to the Launchpad page, the bug affects uh, machines from any manufacturer that uses the BIOS based on inside software. I'm not sure exactly if if people will know enough to look at their BIOS to see what manufacturer they have. So it's best that uh, you probably not maybe stop distro hopping for a while. <laughs> Until well, if you already have 17.10 out. on your machine, there's I, I guess you would either already had the issue or you're not one of the ones who are going to be impacted. So you could just leave it. Mm-hmm. And if you're not on 17.10 and we're planning to, just wait. Just wait a little bit. One thing that I would like to note actually is that the the update just disabling that driver completely has been released already to 17.10, the, the repositories. So in theory... Again, I haven't tested this myself, and it's not official, but you should be able to install 1604 and then upgrade. And then as long as as long as you pull that specific update in, that should prevent the problem from happening. Right. Got you. Well, Simon, we really appreciate you coming on and taking the time, especially, again, on short notice. I'm so sorry, dude. <laughs> but, oh, good. Thanks for having me. But uh, we appreciate you coming on, and, hey, maybe we'll have you back on for some yeah. other stuff. Yeah. Definitely. Maybe. All right. Thanks. Thank you, Simon. Um, Zeb, you had installed the Ubuntu uh, 1710 on a laptop and didn't have this issue. No, that's right. I've got um, a Lenovo 5070, um, but it must be a European spec because a couple of weeks ago, as you know, I, I distro hot. Right. Um, no. A bit of shock, I know. But, <laughs> um, and I, I tried out... Um, Ubuntu budgie and everything went swimmingly well. And my machine is still dual booting between four operating systems. I've not lost access to the USB. So I wasn't affected. So although it's affecting an, an awful lot of people, you might be lucky enough that it doesn't affect you. But my recommendation would be still stay away from it. You cannot take that risk. Yeah. It's definitely not something you want to take the risk on. No, I was I just lucked out, and I think it's because 
Um, I haven't checked the bug, but I bet you'll find there's not many European um, versions of those laptops because I'm sure in different continents they put different components in, whether to make it cheaper or because it's easier at the time. I don't know. So while you're looking for another distro, if you're in the search for one, we've got another one in the news that you could go try while you're waiting for Ubuntu to get fixed. Ryan. What is that, Ryan? Rosa. Rosa. Have, have you played with Rosa? I have played with Rosa before, but it's been a while, so tell me about it. Well, Rosa says that it's a distribution for enthusiasts. It comes out of Russia, um, as far as I understand. And I, I was playing with it this week, and I didn't get a lot of time to uh, spend with it. And it's, you know, I tried both versions. You were telling me how beautiful it was. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's two versions. There's Plasma 5 and KDE 4, and I actually liked the look of the KDE 4 one a little better. I guess the first impression that I got is everything was, you know, 3D icons and lots of shadows everywhere. You mean pretty things. Yeah, if you're into GeoCities websites from the 90s, maybe. (laughs) No, it's not that bad. No, actually, it, it was... It just wasn't for me. You know, I like very advanced, sophisticated desktops like i3 and uh, XFCE, right, Rocco? But it was pretty. It was neat. And I will tell you this. A lot of the KDE distros that I've tried, even played with, the first thing is I'll start going through menus or even the file manager to look at files, and I see that clipping that happens with the text. Yep. Rosa did not have that. So everything seemed to be very well put together and they had buttoned up a lot of, you know, some of the issues that I I see typically with a KDE desktop installation. Now, it doesn't happen with everyone. Don't get me wrong. I like KDE a lot, but I just see that a lot in many distros. Well, the last time I tried it, they had, it was the KDE 4 version that I had tried and one, they do a lot of extra things like theming and software installs yeah. and it, mm-hmm. it's an independent distribution. So it's based on or forked from Mandriva and they have two versions that you can use KD four and plasma five. Those are the official versions and they're actually, I don't, I can't speak for the plasma five version, but the KD four was pretty solid as far as being stable. Now it's not that I want to run KD four anymore, but they do theme it pretty well. So, mm-hmm. and KD4 had a lot of widgets uh, going for it, a lot of yep. extra things that were left behind with the KD4 framework uh, that I forgot about. You know, it's been a long time since I ran KD4. So, so they're on their new release. If it's something you want to go check out, uh, they've got a lot of updates that they've made to their system libraries, their software packages. The list kind of goes on down here. One of the things I thought was interesting in here was the Broadcom Wi-Fi driver uh, support that they've added in there. And as well as they've fixed a lot of the art pieces that we were talking about, such as uh, the way the graphics uh, display on the screen, the way the graphics are for certain software packages, et cetera. And they've optimized this for NVIDIA Optimus in addition to that. So there's a lot of things. If you look at this list, it's a pretty long list of fixes that they put in their release. So I think it's worth, you know, someone checking out, especially if you're into KDE and you like that desktop environment, they also, like you said, have the community-supported LXQT and GNOME 3 environments that you can play around with. But it looked pretty interesting. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it has different things that, you know, like, okay, it has 64-bit and 32-bit. So if you're one of those people that are getting left behind with 32-bit, it's an option for you. It's got the latest NVIDIA drivers there. So it's got a few things in it that are worth looking at. I'm not saying it's the best desktop out there, but it's definitely worth looking at. Is it that- is interesting when you think about it, uh, not to cut you off, Zeb, but there's a news article we didn't put in here that just came out today regarding NVIDIA dropping their 32-bit support. So I wonder how that's going to impact some of these uh, distributions that have that 32-bit support still, although it's a, it's a good thing for those who need it. It looks like uh, those with graphics cards probably won't be able to continue uh, potentially to utilize it. Dist- what do you think? Distro Hopper producer Zeb, have you ever tried Rosa? Um, I did. I tried, I tried Rosa 8 um, and found it a very good solid distribution. Um, surprisingly so, because there are lots of these types of distributions about that are based on various bits and pieces. And I think it's just synonymous with what's happen, happening in the Linux world, that everyone's upping their game. You've got the bright OSs out there, like Sonus is coming along, brand spanking you, making a big big splash. And these other operating systems that are out there now are saying, hey, do you know what? We've got to up our game. We've got to start producing some real quality products mm-hmm. but at the same time remember our roots and i think they're leaving the old um, kde4 in there for the 32-bit brigade but with regard to the nvidia as long as that nvidia driver is still released it's not as if they're pulling all the drivers off the market sure Good do point. they do 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 the nvidia drivers include security bugs is what I'm getting at, or are they always graphical enhancements? Because if there's no security bugs there, stick with a 32-bit driver you've got and enjoy a solid distribution. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I've never really looked specifically to see what they include. I would imagine with any software there's bugs and security patches, although you don't Hmm. really hear much security-related around video cars, but I'm sure it's out there. So, But interesting point. Yep. All right, sticking with KDE... We have Linux Mint 18.3 Sylvia KDE released. Linux Mint, so beautiful, dude. Okay, so Linux Mint has improved. Yes, it has. So it has improved the software center. It's improved the theming. It's improved a lot of areas that it needed to. Uh, Unfortunately for this, this will be the last KDE version for Linux Mint. And there's mm-hmm. really not a whole lot going on with it besides the improvements. So we mentioned the improvements um, last week, and we'll go over them a little bit. But the only difference between this and your Cinnamon and Mate version is the fact that it is KDE Plasma 5.8. So. Right. I mean, they, you know what, I think we talked about this last week. You played with Linux Mint uh, recently. I played with Linux Mint recently. It was definitely a beautiful playground. I mean, it, it everything worked very well. I will tell you that it was a little too resource heavy for my laptop, which I thought was interesting because I really don't run into that often. But on... see, I would love for you to try Linux Mint Cinnamon on the Beast. Yeah, <laughs> it, you wouldn't. You would. I guarantee you, you would love it. Yeah. Oh, I have no doubt. I think that Linux Mint is absolutely gorgeous. I think it's interesting when you look at some of the features that they that they're updating and that they're including their attention to detail uh, specifically with their software store and the improvements that they they've made there and they've added flat packs i mean i 
I don't know if it was a mistake for them to go away from KDE because I'm not a huge KDE person, but also in the news, they released their XFCE version, which makes it even more tempting for me to want to go over there uh, and check it out. So with the, you know, XFCE version, they've improved some of the notifications and customization of that. The computer can now uh, be put into a do not disturb mode to prevent notifications from appearing. Uh, Just little little changes and tweaks that make it a already a very solid distribution that much better task manager now would identify windows by clicking on them and the terminal updated with some new features so some small improvements but you also get all the improvements we discussed last week and touched on this week for the software store etc that are included in there as well so linux mint man it's coming back around I don't know that it ever left, but, you know, a lot of people deep in the Linux community kind of like snub their nose at Linux Mint. I don't think they're going to be able to do that very much longer if they continue, if Mint continues on the path they're on. It may very well prove itself to be one of the most stable distributions out there. Zeb, what do you think of Linux Mint, man? Um, It's just one of those distros that you have to go back to from time to time to see what it's doing. Remind yourself how good it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's the sort of benchmark by which people try and and raise their game to. Like Ubuntu, it's been there for years and years and years. And as strange as it may seem, if I've got a friend who's not that particularly computer literate, but he wants to come off of Windows, then I send him to Mint because he's going to have that much an easier task. Once he's then been on there for a couple of years, we all know what I try and get them onto, but Linux Mint is just there. It works. It performs. Um, you can get around their little quirks, like they won't give you kernel updates unless you specifically know what you're talking about. They will give you that middle-of-the-road safety feature. Right. But is it safe not giving kernel updates? Kernel updates are there because there's security patches that are needed. So there's that little quirk that I'm not 100% happy with, but it's rock solid, and the XFC version, XFCE version is not just you too, Zeb, really? Yeah, I'd, I, I've been he uses peppermint. Yeah, of course he does. <laughs> so you need to get it on the beast. It so, well, okay, but Linux Mint, it, to me, and it's a great distribution. It's solid, but I think it takes a bad rap. It's not that it's perfect because there are issues with it. Uh, You know, there may be security questions involved from certain people, but it's it's almost like it's the distribution that is the training wheels distribution for a new user. You know, you give it to somebody, but then you forget about it and you take the training wheels off and you move on to other distributions. And you like I said, you forget about it, that it is that good, that it is that stable. That you can come back to it and you could use it if you wanted to full time. But I, and, and that's where I think it gets a bad rap. I mean, you could look at it and say it's a trading wheel distribution. I think that's a very good point. A lot of us would recommend it for somebody new. In fact, I just recently did an incredible uh, spec build for someone that commissioned me to build them a computer. They were a Windows fan and I asked them, can I put Linux on your machine? because it was for their son, so that if he decides he wants to learn Linux, he can. It was kind of a great way of introducing somebody who's getting into the computer world to have Linux there as a boot option. They said, sure. So we talked about it on your Saturday night show, and most people there recommended Mint, and that's what I went with. 
and and man, it, when we're talking on the latest i7 7700K M2 SSD NVMe drives, I mean the the top of the line equipment, and it ran beautiful. And I thought, what a great example for someone for their first impression to be mint because it's so gorgeous. It looks so much better than Windows. And when I had to install Windows on this new machine, the constant... You were crying, weren't you? And updating <laughs> and all of this frustration. And Linux Mint or any Linux distro, you go and you update, there's no rebooting. There's no blue screen that tells you to please wait and you can't do anything with it. You could just you could keep going about on your business as it's updating. I mean, there's so many reasons to love Linux Mint has a lot of those reasons very apparent and easy to see. And I think people really need to give it another look and the community, I would ask, take another look at it so that they don't snub their nose at it because it's quite a little amazing thing there. And I I hear you about the security stuff, but when I was in it, to me, it was not that daunting. You could select, you want to be on the cutting edge. Do you want all the kernel updates or not? And either way you could see it would list them out with the color coding of these are important security updates. These are just, you know, regular software bug fixes, whatever. To me, it wasn't that elusive, but then again, I've been in Linux for about a year now. So I Mm -hmm. guess I know more than a brand new user, but I don't think there's a huge risk there with what Linux Mint has done. I think people exaggerate it, frankly. Well, not to be undone, the XFCE version released as well for you guys that were on XFCE. I can't say that. I, I bust on XFCE, but I tell you what, if, like, I was having all those issues with the past, in the past week or two, and mm-hmm. if Zubuntu would have ran dual monitors for me, well, I would have been running that, so I make fun of yeah. XFCE, but... You know what would be interesting for you to try sometime with all your spare time, Rocco? <laughs> of course. <laughs> Is try Linux Mint XFCE and see if that dual monitor issue was still there or if that was a Zubuntu issue. Hmm. Uh, the only thing that I would be hesitant about trying Mint is it is based on 16.04, so I don't know how that affects some of the packages Yeah, uh, as far as the programs that I would need. So I'd have to actually try it out and see. So Zeb and I had a pick for our top distro. Wow. Rocco wasn't included in this, so Rocco, you could just sit there and look pretty, okay? Wow. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. MX17 was officially released out of beta. MX is an amazing distribution. Zeb and I both had it on our top distro pick for 2000, one of our top distro picks for 2017. And in case you're not aware, there were all kinds of new features and improvements in MX17. Okay, let me ask you, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why was MX your pick? Boy, it's hard to put it into one single thing. I, first of all, I love MX's custom set of applications. You know, for instance, and, and I mentioned this before, the iPhone Docker that they have, it's those applications that are not duplicates of things that already exist out there, or at least in the mainstream distributions don't exist out there, but that are annoying things that MX has addressed or fixed within the distribution. It's use of Conky and your initial run into XFCE with it, the way it's set up, is absolutely gorgeous. And in that way, it reminds me of one of my other picks, Arch Merge, where you could kind of, I don't know if this is the case, but you kind of get the feeling that 
this individual who has made this beautiful product and community has customized it to something they like. And that is probably more advanced than anything I would go and customize myself. Therefore I get to benefit from that. And MX you, once you install it, you just instantly realize this is beautiful. Everything, the way the notifications are set up, the panels are set up, the way the conky interface works is exactly how I would set something up if I had that talent. And that's what kind of, to me, makes MX amazing. And it's extraordinarily stable and light on resources. It ran amazing on my lower end laptops. Zeb, what what was it for you about MX? Everything you said there, but um, for me, it was the, the ease of installation, your programs you needed, you didn't have to learn about the software center or the or Synaptic. Mm-hmm. You could go to that vast suite of MX tools and just basically work your way through. You could then one-click pick all of those pieces of software that you wanted to use. Um, we've talked about MX's or XFCE's customization and the way you can just tweak everything. Mm-hmm. The way I think when MX16 first came out, they had that vertical panel down the left hand side. Right. And if you wanted to change it to a top or bottom, you then had to drag and drop all of those bits and pieces so that your clock was on the right and the menu was on the left. They've now just done this MX tweak tool. Mm-hmm. Open it up, it saves what you had before. Click the button that says I want it horizontally. Tell it you want it top or bottom, and everything is automatically there for you. Um, They make a couple of things slightly more complicated. Their update manager, when you click on the taskbar, it brings up a strange screen where you get told, do you want to use apt-get or do you want to use apt-get distribution upgrade? That's true. That is confusing. And then it takes you to a terminal window where you have to answer some questions in a terminal window. They should, they should have kept it within that, you know, that GUI. Right. So they, they, but overall, it's probably 99% there. Um, and you'll always have that one little thing that you don't like about it. But as you said, it's rock solid. Everything installs. NVENC is out of the box. OBS Studio is out of the box. All of the applications that I want yeah. are out of the box. And anytime you have a Debian-based distribution, you've got that compatibility that comes with it. So, for instance, I, you know, one of my computers is a 2012 MacBook Pro that only runs Linux. Well, the biggest issue right away, most people would know, is Broadcom chipset Wi-Fi. Anytime you have a Debian-based distribution, it always finds it. It works. Mm-hmm. Distributions, for instance, I'm running Peppermint on it now, by the way. Amazing. Peppermint. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> Gorgeous, uh, Zeb. So I, I just I I completely understand your loyalty to Peppermint after playing with it for a week. Uh, Ten dollars is in the post. Cheers. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but you know, MX to, MX is kind of similar in that way to Peppermint in the way that it's set up. Completely different worlds when you first log in, but it's very similar in the compatibility and the ease of use factor. There are some smaller annoyances in MX that don't exist in peppermint like you said the upgrade feature but overall i think it's absolutely a worthy distribution that i would run frankly full-time all the time and and have for months at a time in the past because it's just so good yeah and and one other thing that you you reminded me of i keep forgetting it's debian 
They've taken away all yeah. the headache of when you install install pure Debian, yep. uh, making yourself a member of the sudo, making you know add on this bits and add on that bit and all the rest of it. They've taken all that away, and I honestly think sometimes I'm sitting there using Ubuntu, and it's not; it's Debian. So yeah. that's another amazing thing that they do. Well, that's funny because I had n- I've never installed Debian before. So I hear all of the headaches involved in installing it and installing NVIDIA drivers and everything else. And yet that I did install MX and I had no problems with the NVIDIA drivers or nothing. So yep. I think the They're only problem with work. it is that it's running XFCE. Thanks. Oh, <laughs> nice try. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so hard I had on to that throw one. that in there. Well, if you don't like XFCE, you'll be happy about this news story uh, here, Rocco. KDE Applications, your favorite – no, it's not your favorite desktop environment. Your second favorite My desktop. My second favorite desktop environment. The gnome in the background is your first favorite, right? Mm, I'm, well, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say that. Yeah, me you me like and the, the gnome split, you know. Yeah. Me oh, you did? Split. Me yeah. and the gnome split, so – I know you like those iPad-like interfaces, so no made sense for you. I went to a far superior desktop. What's that? Solus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> budgie, huh? That's right. It's like yeah. But this story is not about budgie. This story is about no. the KDE application 1712 launching, and the fixes that are in this are not, like, overwhelming. But they're little bug fixes, like, for instance, Dolphin File Manager, the best file manager on the planet, is getting wow. some. It is. Am I, wait, am I wrong? Over Thunar? Yes. Blows Thunar See, away. I prefer Nemo. Blows Nemo yeah. away. Huh. Sorry. No kidding. There, Why? There, Why do you say that? There are too many options, too many things that you can do with with Dolphin, customizing it and, and allowing you to do everything except Edit as root. Um, allowing. I was going to ask that. That was my next question. You knew my insult was coming, and yet you, you avoided it. You're getting good, Look, man. That I have a problem with the KDE direction, not with the Dolphin File Manager. Did nothing. Had nothing to do with that. That was the direction of uh, they which way they wanted to go with it. But so you can now uh, limit search only to folders. You you can now if if you're a guy that. You would run Thunar if you're a guy. If you're Go a ahead. guy that double clicks on folders, you can now rename them <laughs> by just a double click on the file name. I am not a guy that runs a double click. I'm a single click guy. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. but you there's got some ocular with some high DPI support in there. Document sharing, markdown language support. Gwenview also received improvements with smoother scrolling, easier navigation. I like this part. Uh, accidental file deletion protection. That's you always that. a good thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, another notable change is support for Microsoft Exchange and Kmail. Now, this is, I think, a very important um, change in support that they've added here because, you know, for individuals who want to transition to Linux but have to use certain because of their businesses they work on, for instance, the company I work for has a bring your own device policy. If you want, they'll provide you your own device, but if you want, you can bring your own device and set it up. Wouldn't it be great to set up Linux, but I still need that exchange server support. I could use Kmail to get that now. Those little things, having that cross-breeding of, you know, applications and support for stuff in that other environment that shall go unnamed, I think is very important to helping people transition. I agree. Totally agree. 
Our next article has to do with the same 1712 release, Caden Live, your um, favorite and my favorite video editor. I don't know how it can't be anybody's favorite because it's probably one of the key. If Caden Live had not existed, I don't know during that time when I first started with Linux that I could have stayed with Linux. It was such the most important thing at the time was I was investing in creating a YouTube channel and I needed a video editor. I invested all this money in Adobe products to do that. And I thought there's got to be something equal on Linux to this. And when people recommended Caden Live, when I opened it up, I'm like, done, done. There's no reason for me to ever go back to Windows now. That's how powerful it was. Now, as I got to learn other programs like Blender and things, there are other great editors out there, but nothing will replace Caden Live in my heart as, as really one of those key tools that I think would help push not only me, but a lot of people to staying with Linux because it's just such an important tool out there. And they continue to enhance it for free. And if you've ever used an Adobe product, you know every single year, twice a year, you're going to get a little pop-up that says, we'd like $70 more so we can add these two new features that we've added in for you to update your package. Here's Caden Live out here giving you all of these updates, removing useless audio bit rates, updating proxies, uh, fixing crashing that happens, uh, clipping, small image issues, you know, all of this stuff, image sequencing, uh, sequencing improvements, all the stuff they're doing, and there's not a dime asked for. There's not a single pop-up wanting a donation, nothing. Now, I've given to Caden Live in the past and will continue to because I appreciate their work so much, but you really have to stop and think about how much would go into making an editor like this from scratch and that these guys do this for nothing. But that's why I believe that there's, like I said before, there is a, this misconception that anybody who runs Linux wants to, doesn't want to pay for anything and mm-hmm. wants everything for free. They don't want to, they don't want to pay a dime for it. The stuff is not free. It's costs a lot of people time, a lot of people effort. And if you run a program or an operating system, a distribution that you enjoy running, then you should donate to them because there is mm-hmm. a lot of time and effort put into it. So Caden Live has fixed uh, some of the issues as far as crashing is concerned. I don't think this fix is an issue that I particularly have with it, even though it is the best video editor out there. Um, There is an issue where if you're editing a video and you hit the control Z to undo changes more than three times in a row. uh, And then what happens is like, I'll be editing and I will make a clip or two and I'll put it together. I'll move the clip out of the way and I'll put it together and I'll see how it sounds and it doesn't sound right. I'll undo all of those changes. Well, in order to get everything back to the way it was, there's there's like maybe five or six undos that you have to do. So if I use the menu, it works fine. If I use the shortcut key, it pretty much freezes up that timeline and that piece that was there that I moved stays there. Like, even yeah. though I've moved it over here, you can. it's like in both places at the same time and it freezes yeah. the program. So I wish they would fix that, but maybe they will soon. Maybe I'll file a bug. There you go. File that <laughs> bug report and I'll read the manual. And together, you read the manual. Okay. <laughs> Helping each other one step at a time. Yeah. Zeb, do you use Caden Life? Um, I was just about to say, I, I'm lucky in as much as I don't because any YouTube video I put out there, goes out walks and all 
And I think that's sometimes you, you go pure, just whatever just, I record, that's what's going up. Absolutely. I, I love think it. That's half the fun of it as well. They enjoy my what the <laughs> was that type of stuff? <laughs> <laughs> a fox runs out in front of me, or I don't know. Yeah, I um, so, it. yeah, I've never ever tried to edit anything like that. I'm just not that technically minded. It would do my head in. Well, I was going to say, it, it's just, you know, it's a continuing. A theme here in this new sequence that I didn't realize while we were writing this episode of KDE because now we have more KDE with KDE goals for 2018 and beyond. Mm-hmm. Well, they never sit still. And that's what I love yeah. about KDE is the fact that they're always looking ahead. They're always trying to improve something. Yeah. And they have a lot of vision as far as like not just, you know, two weeks ahead they have a lot of vision for what their road is and they are working on their 2018 goals and beyond and they have three of them that they've set out i mean obviously they have more but they have three that they specifically set out to work on and concentrate on so the first one being uh their nate graham his suggestion or improvement is to improve the usability of kd software so they want to make it user-friendly across the board. Now, I think KDE is user-friendly now, as long as you don't dive into the settings. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Um, but there are things that will put off uh, casual users, including the settings. And he talks about working on Plasma, on Dolphin, Ocular, and Discover, needing more detail focus. I think Discover needs a little bit more than a little bit of love. I think that needs an overhaul. But anyway, um, Wi-Fi passwords being asked twice in Plasma, which is annoying. Yeah. And they're going to pay attention to the details. That's what that's what his focus wants to be. That's the proposal for Nate Graham. I remember when we first talked about this article, you were, you you specifically pointed to that, basically pay attention to details. You're a very detail-oriented individual. We've covered that in previous episodes. Uh, so... Uh, you know, but I think it is such a perfect way. You know, this first of all, this came from the community. The community went out and submitted proposals. Hats off to KDE for having that type of involvement with their community and looking for this type of feedback. And not only that, but basically picking three mission statements out of there that they want to go back on that they or that they want to address that they thought the community, you know, uh, was right on the mark with some of the things that uh, need to be changed. And his, you know, sentence ends there, basically pay attention to the details. And when I think about KDE, that is the reason why I don't run it. KDE is beautiful. KDE has a lot of tools and options out there that are really neat. You could customize KDE. But it's just the detail and how they do things to me is wonky and how some of the things execute or work with one another. So the fact that KDE picked that from the community tells me that, yeah, they can see it too and they want to address it. And that's awesome. I'm excited to see what happens from some of this. Uh, There was another one in here, Sebastian uh, Kugler. He wants a complete software environment that protects privacy proposes applications not be allowed to expose private data by default. And so he wants, you know, things like widgets that use Tor or, you know, using Tor to get weather, uh, encryption for chat and email and instant messaging applications. I thought this was a great recommendation as well. I mean, a lot of people moving over to Linux, move over there for privacy reasons, having a whole suite of programs built in that are privacy related. 
What a brilliant idea. So does that mean they will be tweaking things like Firefox so that those two options you turn off in privacy will automatically be off? Or are they just talking about KDE applications? I would think that they're talking specifically about KDE applications, but right. I, I'll have to, we'll have to ask them. Maybe they'll come on the show and they'll Maybe. talk more about be, it. If you think about it, it, there would be so many that they would have to do that to. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking it would just be the KDE applications. I think it would be a suite yeah. of programs that basically would be their protection privacy suite. And that would probably, instead of including Firefox, would be like a Tor mm. browser or something along those lines. Well, going along with the community and getting people involved, uh, the third proposal, and I'm not even going to mention the name because I'm butcher it. Just say Neo. Neo. There, there, I'm going with Neo. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> uh, wants a more streamlined new contributor platform. So they want to get people involved. They want to have, they want to get people involved in the development process as well. And I love this. That, that is absolutely awesome. So they want to have a standard to create a better community. And right. I don't know exactly what that means. That's kind of like high talk. And I would love to know the details of what they're actually thinking about doing. But that is something that's, that is needed in the Linux community. So, well, I like his idea specifically because it speaks to what, you know, individuals like myself, newer users would want to see in the fact that it, he mentions creation of mentorships. So even if I went and learned a specific language or some of the languages I know and could find a place to apply them within Linux, I would feel completely out of place going mm -hmm. and saying, hey, I wrote this to do this because I don't know how it all is supposed to interact or be compiled at the end or where you post. But having a mentor there to say, okay, you can code this. Why don't you go work off on this? And then giving you feedback so that you start to learn how to contribute to the community better is totally something I would be want to get involved in. So mm -hmm. I, I like that he specifically mentioned mentorships in there as well, because that would be an important key to getting new people contributing to it. And it's also interesting that he mentions standardization, which was something that our guest last week, Stuart Langridge wanted mm -hmm. as part of what would improve Linux yep. is that standardization of the underlying way it works there's always going to be differences, but if you've got that base set up, then people can get involved more. All right. So our next article, Ryan, is all about AMD Vulkan and how it goes open source. So what is what what is the news in this? Why, why is this big news? I mean, I don't know that it's big news, but I think it's a continuation of AMD keeping to their word that they were going to open their Vulkan drivers up. Uh, to the community and make them open source. So up until this point, they were closed source. People didn't have access into them. Other people couldn't contribute to the code. AMD said that they were going to make them open source, and they did just that. And we all know, we've we've talked about on this show in nauseum about, you know, Vulkan and our hopes for Vulkan and what it could bring, you know, to bringing games and things into into Linux. And so to me, this is just kind of the next evolution of that starting to happen because you have a major GPU maker taking what was their closed source code of basically making Vulkan work with their particular um, equipment better 
and now they've opened it up to the community. So now you're going to have community involvement in there, tweaks and changes, maybe even community based drivers on their own out there to uh, continue to improve this as we often see in Linux. So it's, it's bringing the brilliance of the Linux community into the project. And you know where that always leads into some awesome things at the end of the day. And it's actually quite a bold move because what's to, st- what's to stop NVIDIA picking over that code and improving their own product because of it. Great. I love it. <laughs> yeah, That's a great idea. <laughs> NVIDIA needs to jump in there and say, yeah, we're going to follow you guys. We're going to make our Vulkan source code open source That's and right. then that way all three of them can can improve can improve linux i don't think it'll happen but it would be nice if it did yeah i mean shoot we're just still trying to get nvidia to play ball in a lot of areas like with wayland um it's unfortunate one of the things that i've been really interested in is um, amd has released their new adrenaline drivers and there has been an you know, I think it's between a 12 and 15% improvement uh, that Pharonix and some of their testings have shown. Don't quote me on the percentage, but it was high mm-hmm. enough that it was quite uh, a significant shift in performance with the AMD GPUs that were out there, which I'm very happy to see. I would love to go to an AMD GPU and um, uh, if they could just get the performance close enough to NVIDIA. Now, from a CPU standpoint, they're right there. I could go to an AMD CPU tomorrow. I yep. have one and love it. And I do. It's amazing. I have the lowest end one and it's still amazing. If that tells you anything. So I would love to see their GPUs continue to improve. I think this is an awesome step. I think the community could certainly even get some more acceleration out of these drivers. So we'll see where it all lands. Nice. Talking about improvements, we have Thunderbird in the news. And it's surprising because, you know, Thunderbird kind of was left behind by Firefox or Mozilla. And you didn't know what exactly was going to happen with Thunderbird. And everybody knows that Thunderbird is the pretty the go-to mail app to use on Linux. I mean, there are other ones like Geary and Evolution. But to me, none of them compare in comparison to the stability and just it just works. Yeah. So... I'm not so sold on the looks part of Thunderbird. And that's why, and, and to be honest with you, that's why I try new uh, new mail apps like MailSpring and other ones. You got me addicted to MailSpring, hey. by the way. I am, I am, like, I saw this article and I was like, well, I could set up Thunderbird, but man, MailSpring is so good, dude. And not, I, not to rain on Thunderbird's parade here, but MailSpring is just gorgeous. Well, I, mean, I think that it, it goes to different people okay so you're like you love mailspring and i love mailspring but you know like for mailspring you need to log into an account so obviously your messages are going through a server so it's a little bit it's a little bit a different situation and i do have an issue with mailspring not working with my hush mail email as i told you i mean why don't you just use aol mail at that point so wrong. <laughs> oh, they continued it. So you went to Hushmail. The wow. Next <laughs> wow. This is coming from the guy who runs XFCE. Um, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so Thunderbird is in the news for making improvements. So what they're doing is they are, well, they have a 57 and a 58 beta 
where they're mm-hmm. making many changes to it. Um, right. when you, know, when you compose messages, uh, the chat windows, better error handling, they got all of these things, uh, involved. And to go with that, they've also hired new staff. They have hired four different people and a couple of them you won't know, maybe because they're behind the scenes developers that have helped with the project. And, but you will know they have hired Ryan Sipes as their community manager, who was the community manager for System76 a while ago. Nice. So, glad to see Ryan get involved with the Thunderbird, and I I hope that he can uh, kind of push Thunderbird in a direction of, I don't know, being modern. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. he clearly has an awesome first name, so let's give him that uh, Well, first. of course. I mean, geez. <laughs> But number two, um, you can see here, based on this article, that Thunderbird is investing in this product again. I, yep. I don't know what it was before maybe they were always investing in it but it just didn't seem like anything was really happening it kind of seemed stagnant in fact if i had saw a news story that they were going to discontinue thunderbird i would not have been shocked just because it just didn't seem like anything was happening with it but clearly based on what they're doing here they are very invested in getting this up to you know let's say quantum standards uh, of you know of basically going in and making interface improvements known issue resolution and making those little tweaks and changes i did have to laugh at the notes for the enhancement page for 58 because it said better and uh, error handling for Yahoo accounts. I'm like, who who uses Yahoo accounts Wait, anymore? I still have a Yahoo account. Oh, I have no doubt. But I'm saying, who uses Yahoo accounts anymore? <laughs> that's so funny because I do have a Yahoo account still. Oh, that's so sad. But um, more importantly, Ryan, they're working on uh-huh. the look of it, refreshing yes. the look. They're working with the people from that made the monorail theme, and nice. they're working with them to kind of upgrade Thunderbird's look a little bit. And I hope they go, I hope they do a good job with it. Yeah. It's interesting as well that they've improved the Outlook import. Um, there's going to be an awful lot of people still on Linux. I mean, I've, I've got 17 years invested in Outlook. So yeah. it had better work well to take in all my PST files that are yeah. away. Why on earth I want to look at an email from 2001, I don't know, but I've got one for every year. Because the tax man comes and says, did you really buy this? <laughs> yeah. So if it could import that, then that would be great because then I'd stop using the web apps for, for Gmail because that's predominantly all I use now is just Gmail. Yep. Well, if you want to know more information about it, head on over to Thunderbird.net because they have taken control of that domain now. So cool. all of the information will be there. This next article I am so excited about, Rocco. Why, Ryan? Canonical- tell, me, tell me why. Canonical makes it easier to install Spotify. Not only do they make it easier, but they've got the official Snap package for Spotify available in any distribution. That even includes the awesome one you happen to be running right now, Rocco Solis. Can take advantage of the Snap and enable Spotify for it. I've been playing with it um, both on Arch Merge and on Peppermint. It runs brilliantly. I will say there was one minor issue with the Peppermint version in that when you installed the Snap, you had to go run it before it would show up in the menus. You had to actually run it from the terminal. It would not just automatically show up in the menus. I don't know why. It's probably a Snap issue and not a Peppermint issue, but it didn't happen in the Arch uh, distribution. So in any case, once I did that once, 
boom, it ran. The client was smooth. I even, Rocco, and this is kind of digging into a later news story, I was playing Spotify country music while going cross-country in my Euro truck. <laughs> I mean, how brilliant is this, right? I'm cruising with country music, going through Germany. I've got the Spotify client playing over in a window. Um, one of the advantages to having Spotify Premium is you can download your music. So you could download your music and move it into your Euro truck folder. So you had all your music there. I mean, all kinds of awesome. But one of the advantages of having it as a snap rather than just using it as a browser is the fact that you can do the offline music, uh, yes. which in the browser you can't. So there are, there are a lot of good features that are built into the actual app, and it's awesome to see this be an official snap rather than just you know like i had seen a couple comments and the guy was saying oh well there was already a snap out there for spotify but the key is it wasn't the official snap from spotify and this is and the same way with you know i've seen guys say oh i'm 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 removing this and i'm putting this official snap on so i think it's awesome to see well i love the comment specifically that this is their quote spotify for linux is a labor of love and listen to this from our engineers that wanted to listen to Spotify on their Linux development machines. I'm liking Spotify's engineers right now. They sound like some pretty cool dudes I'd want to hang out with. So they're over there running Linux, developing Spotify, and they're like, look, we're going to go ahead and create this because we want to listen to the product while we're working. How awesome is that? I gave them a shout out in Twitter yesterday because honestly, this is the truth. I was about to cancel my Spotify subscription and go back to title. And when they did this, I stayed. Nice. I stayed and I kept my subscription. So listen, you give you give the, the tuck some love and I'm going to give you some bucks back there. So that's how it works. Well, the last line is it's easy to install and run Spotify for Linux on Solus. Thanks to Ike Darty. <laughs> <laughs> no surprise there. Which leads us to our next article, which is yeah. Linux steam integration. So what's the big deal with this, Ryan, this Linux steam integration? Well, you know, this has a lot of things that I think are kind of over my head with what Ike's specifically working on, you know, massively enhanced shim system. But it's just got, I don't know if Ike did this or not, but it seems so Ike because there's a new Unity black screen of Nope workaround in the fixed notes. <laughs> and that just, I don't know if that's the real thing or not, but that seems very Ike to me that he would put that. Like I fixed the black screen of Nope. Um, but what it is, is we all talked about, you know, one of the examples we gave, there are many, but one of the examples we've given is, you know, with regards to Solus and Ike's work being kind of cross-platform is the Steam integration with the Snap uh, that he's done. And what this is, is more of him working on that project, making it even better, putting new enhancements and features in it. So while some of it is stuff that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, it's awesome to see him continuing to devote his time uh, to making it even better. Yep. It's absolutely awesome to see the changes. And that's why I, I, I feel that even though Ubuntu and Snap's were a big, huge thing. Uh, I think that Ike's work in Solus was was the biggest thing in Linux. So, yep. All right. So our next article is a mishmash of different popular 
software. Right. It's popular software that's received updates. I would love to know as we go through these, if you've used any of these uh, popular Linux software apps, Etcher being the first one there to write ISOs. It's my go-to. I will not use anything else but Etcher or I'll use the command line. That's it. I'll DD in the command line or I use Etcher, period. I'm the same, same exact way. I usually use DD in the command line, but if I don't feel like trying to type out everything, I'll just quickly open up Etcher and run it. And it's never failed me on any writing to any USB. I've never had an issue where it didn't boot up right or for the calls of writing to the USB. Yeah. Zeb, what do you think of Etcher? Etcher is brilliant. I mean, I've never used DD because I've got too many disk drives that it could destroy if I get the command wrong. So for me, Etcher is perfect. Yeah, as you say, it works. It was a little flaky in the earlier days when you had what one point six to one point eight. There was a few twitchy moments, but it's no, it's it is a very very good, um, and it's quick as well. Yeah, um, very quick. I, th- I can't remember. I don't know if it's Fedora's um, USB writer, but one of them is ridiculously. Oh no, it's the GNOME multi writer. Yeah, it takes forever to produce a USB a USB stick, but Etcher, it's done like in about 90 seconds or something stupid. Yeah. Really, really good tool. Well, I've heard that Etcher actually uses DD behind the scenes. So it just does it, like you said, without the ability to make mistakes, but they're con- constantly improving uh, in their 1.2.0 release, write speeds, progress and statuses. So that even when you minimize the windows or at the top of the windows, you can see the progress of the write, which is awesome. So you can keep going on your way, pseudo prompting, additional progress bars, increased speed again. So they just keep making it better and better. I love it. Mm-hmm. Next one, Pulse Effects 3.0.9. Rocco? No, haven't used it. Sorry. Zeb? Um, I had a look at it recently on Solus. Couldn't work out what it was, so glad I came back to just Pulse Equalizer. <laughs> <laughs> so Pulse Effects has 30 configurable bands for equalization uh, in their 3.0.9 release. And Do you uh, guys really tweak the audio that much? Like, I mean, do you install an equalizer and, and tweak the if audio? If I'm listening to music, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I but have, have my, you used it, Ryan. No, no, because especially on Solus, fire it up and then try and get back to your normal sound card stuff. It does something with your sound card and then makes that your prime sound card, but then I can't get any noise out of it. Oh, wow. So it's too complicated for me. So with your expertise and you Rocco with all your editing you do maybe you can get it to work but hey, just, Rocco, you could screw up your computer right? yeah let me try to screw up my computer even more <laughs> well the thing is the minute you turn it off your normal sound card takes it goes back up. okay well that's the part we were missing there I was like I ain't touching yeah. anything <laughs> I've got enough sound card problems <laughs> I mean for the most part I don't I do the tweaks by having equipment that I don't have to tweak. So I'll have separate DACs for listening to music for the headphones and things. And so I, I, I don't get into the equalizers now. I should, I just, I have enough issues with sound that I've kind of stayed away from that area, but it's one that I want to explore further and scrappy who joins your Saturday night live show. He's going to be doing a YouTube channel. Eventually he says showing some more advanced audio techniques within Linux. And that would be very welcome series for me because I would love to see that. Let's give him a plug. It'll be SJ studios and we will put a link in for the show notes for his YouTube channel. You'll have to check him out. 
because he's a uh, pretty intelligent guy, especially in the audio realm. So, yeah, he does a lot of advanced audio with guitars and keyboards and all that type of stuff. So, really cool stuff. And I think it would be great for the Linux community. The next one on here was VidCutter 5.0.5. Uh, so this is, we talked about Caden Live, how much we love it. Sometimes you just need to trim a video or in Rocco's case, and you have to deal with me, you have to trim a lot. So uh, the good news is Rocco, there's something called simple tr- uh, vid cutter that does a simple trim. For I didn't so realize that- there'd be so much editing. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, this is all that is. It's just a simple trim cutting video software that you could go in there, make a trim and move on. And for a lot of people, that's all they do in video editing. They don't add special effects or anything else. And so that one's getting updated. Then we have Mailspring. Of course, Rocco's pick. Okay. So Mailspring is, I, I, like I said, it is, it is a really nice mail app. It it is something that I wish Thunderbird would be. And would yeah. turn towards like that, not not turn into Mailspring, but at least follow the direction of how modern looking it is, how uh, all of the details of what you can do, the settings. It has way more settings than even Geary does, and mm-hmm. yet it still keeps the modern look and the functionality, with the exception of Hushmail. Anyway. Um, they have uh, a minor update with better progress, status reporting, sync. Uh, a choice of spell check, send email with inline and image attachments, email rendering tweaks, um, undo send no longer com- closes the composer window. So that's uh, a big one. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, but do you guys use undo send at all? Like, I don't, I mean, it seems to me like it's a great feature, but a great feature that I would probably never use. That's to like recall a message, right? Yeah. I mean, I yeah. guess you have a certain amount of time because it goes through their server to, undo it so i don't know i think maybe in a i think it would be one of those things where you may start using it now that i reply to some i was gonna say <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna be over there like recall his message quick wait it may be invaluable in certain situations it's just right. i don't it's, it's not an everyday thing so i mean outlook has had one of those recall features for years, but then by the time you remember which one of the 42 tabs on the bar it is, <laughs> it's too late because the person's read it anyway. Right. Well, what, so, one interesting thing about the Outlook uh, recall message is that now a lot of places, is, including most people in my work, have their email on their phone, and it does not work for pulling it off your phone. So even uh, if you did get it recalled from a desktop, the server holding it, you're not going to get it off somebody's phone. So it's pretty yeah. much worthless. Yeah, there are no details of, of how long you have to undo mm-hmm. it and how it actually applies it. So like you said, does it do it for certain items, for certain like for a desktop and not on the phone? So I don't know. Right. Moving on. The last one on here is DVD Styler. So if you're into making DVDs, um, then DVD Styler has received. Well, you some run of- XFCE, so you should be into making DVDs. It's like oh, last, nice last one, year's man. technology. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, XFCE uh, works, Rocco. So oh, I no, could make DVDs, whereas your desktop would probably crash in the middle of making it. My desktop oh. will not crash because. Oh, that's right. You're on IQ. I keep thinking you're on 16.04 still. It's hard to make fun of you now that you're on Solus. It is hard to make fun of me now. <laughs> Jerk. Like, yeah, I really want to thank you for making Solus because now he can't make fun of me. 
I like Ike too much. I can't. All right. <laughs> Top five Linux music players. We'll go through this real quick, Rocco. I'm going to name them off. You tell me which ones you like. Clementine. Mm. Yep. Rhythm Box. Not really. VLC. Nope. Apparently, you can play music and video. Audacious. Yep. That's an XFCE thing, so no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Spotify. Yeah. Better say yeah. I used to have a premium Spotify, but I canceled it only because, not because Spotify wasn't great, because it was, but because I was already paying for YouTube Red. Mm-hmm. So I get music from Google through well, any chance through you could give money to Google, you're yeah, right I mean, there. like, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Look, there's one that's not that's missing off this list, and that is the Google Desktop Music Player, which is the best music player. Only because it plays my music. I don't know. Oh <laughs> my gosh! He says Google. You just lost our whole audience in there. Listen, Spotify's put their money where their mouth is and created the official Spotify app. So I love everybody. It switching to that one i love it i think it's great uh, rocco you put this article in here it really made me angry to see it i did is there room for another browser oh yeah i forgot i put the that article is in no here. there's not room no there of course there's room otter browser is another browser out there i guess it's the best aspects of opera 12 and qt5 something like that that they have, but they've got a whole list. It, listen, if you go to this website, you want to talk about dated. Wait, I get the idea of another browser, but look, when you're when the Otter browser aims to recreate the best aspects of classic Opera 12, that's like saying I want to create a desktop that gets the best aspects of Windows XP. Right. You know, I, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's, I mean, you know, I get the it. The reason they're doing it is because Oprah 12 was the last good Oprah. There's the famous tact. There is. And just to save you, um, Rocco, it was actually, I added that one. Look, there is. N- <laughs> yes. <laughs> don't, don't say that, Zeb. Don't say that. Oh, okay. Just let it play out. <laughs> don't, <laughs> no. don't tell people you help. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, look. Opera was a great browser, especially back then. It had some very innovative features for its time. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that it wasn't a great browser. I'm just saying I don't know why you'd want to recreate that now. Maybe jet. Maybe they're talking about some of the features like gesturing and things. Yeah, were, I mean, maybe pretty important to it. But Austin, you know, the, have you loaded it up? I yeah, haven't. Yeah, Rocco. I wait. No, no I lied. I was. Oh darn! Wow. <laughs> no, I did load it up right before we started the show. I was going to say I didn't load it up yet, but right before we started the show, I did load it up, and it looked like it was from like you know I don't know 1993. I mean, it was a browser. Mm-hmm. It, it opens up and it's like you got mail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was, I, I'm sure that look. I'm not trying to bust on it too bad. I'm sure it's got great goals and it aims to be a really good browser. And maybe it'll be, become that. Maybe it'll bring you know. Maybe it'll bring back good memories of of the good features of Opera. We'll see. Listen, there is no doubt right now in this market. My opinion. This goes into maybe our predictions for 2018 is people are looking for an alternative. There are very few people with, you know, that run or would even have the gumption to try to run a Chrome-based product, Rocco, in wait, Linux. Wait, you can't go into your 2018 prediction. <laughs> I'm not. Right? not it fits in here. But what I'm saying is 
people are looking for an alternative. You know, most normal people will use Firefox. Most normal people wouldn't use Chrome. And it, or if they're going to use Chrome, they're going to use Chrome Young, right? Mozilla no, has made let's, them. Let's let's say this out loud now. Most people will probably use Chrome. Most Linux users will probably use Firefox. Well, yeah, obviously, based okay. on the stats. Yeah, right. Linux users. Right. Intelligent people, in other words. Exactly. But what do you use, Rocco? Right now, I'm on Firefox. <laughs> nice, safe. <laughs> I mean, I am. No lie. I've, I told you last week I switched to Firefox. I'm A very... lot of people are upset with Firefox, Mozilla specifically, and some of the stuff going on with Firefox. My point is, I think it's a ripe time for somebody to be creating other browsers and other alternatives out there because... Mozilla's done amazing stuff for the open source community and they may, and, and I still use it. Uh, but I've been playing with Vivaldi for instance, recently, just because there's just too much drama over there right now. Well, there, I think, look, there's no question in my mind that, and this is probably not a popular opinion, but there's no question in my mind that I think Mozilla has made some questionable decisions lately. And mm-hmm. they have made some decisions that are creating a pattern of, in my opinion, bad decisions. But I am still testing out 57. So, you know. We'll and Quantum's see. amazing. And I hate that they've lost some mm. of the team making some dumb decisions. But at the same time, playing with Vivaldi recently, I've been super impressed with it. And by the way, it's it's from the Opera developers uh, that created it. So one of the Opera one of some of the opera developers that were part of opera left and created Vivaldi. So I've been very impressed with that. But my point is ultimately I wish auto browser a lot of luck. I think they're, if you're going to create a browser, they're coming in at a very interesting time where certain groups of people like Linux users may be interested in trying to find other alternatives out there, but there are a lot. I mean, anytime you talk about browsers, you'll get comments that are 50 pages long about ice weasel and all of these, you know, ones out there. It's a pretty tough market to break into. All right. So this article Ryan put in, I don't know why he'd want to put in an article like this, but. I can't believe you would say that. Crossover 17 lets you run Microsoft Office 2016. Absolutely. Super important. Tell me why this is important, Ryan. Listen, it goes to the same thing we talked about earlier. People transitioning over from Windows. They are very used to because generally, depending on their work environment, they're probably using Microsoft Office. Just like mail, they're probably using a Microsoft Exchange server. And so you go with what you're used to and what you know. And if you have to send documents to an executive or you have a very important position where you can't have a mistake, you know, you can't have uh, translation issues when you're converting a document into a doc or anything else, you need to use Microsoft Word then you have crossover here that can run Microsoft Office, not only just run Microsoft Office, but run the 2016 version, which is huge. I think it's absolutely huge. But additionally, crossover obviously creates a lot of, I mean, they create the work behind wine. Now, crossover costs money, and I hate their pricing scheme, which we'll get into in a minute, but they have additional software that they run, for instance, League of Legends, which, I mean, you can't, deny the popularity of that everquest which is i mean that's kind of dead isn't it (laughs) everquest 2 which i'm pretty sure is dead too but then they've got one that was really interesting which is battle.net yeah this blizzard software store you can only get play blizzard games through battle.net yep 
and they have that running on crossover. So crossovers work with wine makes them important. Crossovers work with bringing over some of the latest packages from our Windows friends like Microsoft Office 2016. I think just makes somebody's transition into Linux that much easier. That is until you see crossovers pricing system. Which is what? <laughs> Tell me. So you get a free trial, but ultimately requires a small payment of thirty nine ninety five for a single version. But you get no upgrades with that version, nothing. So you pay thirty nine ninety five, and whatever version you got at that time, that's what you're stuck with. I think it's so. Tomorrow, tomorrow, if they come out with a new version that has the newest, latest app that I want to run, I have to buy it again. I don't know if it's app based, but yeah, there's no up. There's well, I mean, it's based on upgrades. So if this version is seventeen here, and they come out with seventeen point one or eighteen tomorrow. You got to buy it again, right? I mean, I haven't paid for it, but I think you're right. I think that's probably how it would work, or at least that's what it would lead you to believe, right? Yeah. Um, then they've got fifty nine ninety five, which none of these prices are bad. I would pay either of them, but you only get a year of support. Right. So every year you're rebuying the program. And I feel like, well, now I'm back at Windows World. <laughs> like, Well, okay, and that goes back to what we were talking about, where – when I said Linux users are not against, or I don't think the majority of Linux users are against paying for software, but on the same token, I don't think they want a system like this either. Yeah, I, I think it's fine to make people pay again for major enhancements, but it shouldn't be on a timetable. Mm-hmm. You know, make a major release. I'll pay fifty nine ninety five for it. Support it for a certain amount of time. If you have another major overhaul changes and things that you're making, charge me $59 again. I'm okay with that. Just don't make me do it every year so I literally have to budget mm-hmm. it in. You know, right. That, that's my problem with crossover. At the same time, they give you wine for free. So am I complaining and, and for no reason, probably because wine's amazing. They support that for free. They give it to everybody for free. I, but I want to pay them. I would pay for crossover, even though I have not one program right now that really uses it because I know how important their work of bringing Battle.net, which is a big one I hear constantly, people not wanting to switch to Linux because of Blizzard products and Microsoft stuff. I would want to give them something for their work. Just me. All right. So, Ryan, the big question right now is on everybody's mm-hmm. mind. Yeah. <laughs> what have you been playing this week? What have I been playing this week? Well, let me tell you, this game uh, went on sale recently. It's called Tyranny, and it's an absolute beautiful story-driven RPG. And this is the aspect I like. I think Stuart was talking about choose-your-own-adventure stuff last week. Well, you know, the choose-your-own-adventure thing, it has consequences. Of course, most people just cheat and go back and say, okay, I changed my mind. But in this game, you can't. But your choices that you make in the dialogue with people, similar to a choose-your-own-adventure, uh, they matter in the world. So they have consequences. So the way you talk to somebody, the way you support somebody in a different group, if they want to maybe execute someone in the storyline because they did X, if you agree with that, you're kind of siding with one group over the other, and that starts changing the dynamics of the world around you. Amazingly done. Gorgeous graphics. Tons of loot out there, so you're constantly upgrading your characters. I would say this sticks to the roots. A lot of times you ask, what is an RPG anymore? And you know it's a fair point you make because a lot of games <laughs> That are basically have RPG elements in them. This is a true, you know, down to the bone RPG here that you can go out and play, and it's a ton of fun. 
So if you have to interact with people, mm-hmm. how are you getting through the scenes? What do you mean? So I itch. <laughs> <laughs> you have to re- interact with people, make decisions, be nice to them, all that sort of thing. So how do I get through it? Because I have to interact a bit. Don't, don't worry, Zeb. It went right over his head. Way too much. You got to stop hanging out with Rocco. You got to spend some time with me. Well, okay. So I don't play RPGs usually. Mm-hmm. Um, and They require thinking. Yeah, they, they require deep, deep <laughs> thinking. Like something like an i3 user would do probably. You know? <laughs> um, but it is uh, on sale with the Steam Winter Sale. Yeah, man. This winter sale is hot, too. It is. It is fire. Every game I've had on my wish list is popping up, and it's driving my bank account bananas right now. Well, I don't play games, and I've bought five already. Oh, my gosh. Well, it, it, look, I have, I don't have enough time to play that many games, but yeah. there was tw- I have the, my wish list, and there was 25 games on my wish list that were involved in the Steam oh winter gosh. sale. It's like, really? <laughs> So I'm going to tell you what I've picked up, and you, Rocco, if you want, could admit some that you've picked. I, up. I didn't pick up any. So none. I know I did. I, I'm telling you. I mean, like, I, man, you pinch a nickel to death, don't you? Wow. I mean, <laughs> some people are not made of money, dude. You know, I mean, I'm not either. But this sale's too good to pass up. Man. Well, you get paid for this. I don't. Uh, F1 2017 is on sale. That's one I haven't picked up yet, but it is one you should off right One now. you should pick up. Well, you told me it was hard, and I don't have a steering wheel. It's not hard. Oh, it's okay. fun. Okay. Well, I did pick up Hitman Essentials Collection. Come nice. on now. Nice. That's a fun one with all the DLC and everything included. Euro Truck Simulator 2. Now now we can play Euro Truck Simulator 2. Uh, English Bob on his YouTube channel mentioned that we should start a Sunday night trucking on Euro Truck Simulator. That's or ridiculous. American Truck Simulator. So that That's would ridiculous, be ridiculous awesome. because this game is so stupid. <laughs> Everything about this game is stupid. You sit in there in a truck, you're driving around, there's no guns. There is no you can run into people, I found out, and you can get tickets, but there's no explosions when you run into a gas station, nothing. And I absolutely love it. Why? I'm sitting here driving. I, I was playing it today, like two hours go by, and I'm doing nothing. I'm just driving this truck. And I can't park the thing, Rocker. You would get the biggest kick out of trying oh, to see me back this trailer up. That would be Very I would bad. love for you to stream that. Dude, it you is stream it. It is so bad. I, I have just I destroyed my truck the first time I tried to drop something off. I mean, literally <laughs> running into stuff so much that the engine shut off, and it's like you got to call a repair guy. Oh my! I think you're using a single articulated at the moment. Yeah, I'm using the yeah. keyboard. Yeah, trying no, no, the no. mouse. Truck wise, it's just got one trailer. Yes, one trailer. Yeah. Pick up one with two. Yeah, and then try and, and then try to reverse it. I could barely drive That's... straight, let alone try to do that. There's look, there, there's you know how hard it is to back up doubles. That's ridiculous. It's impossible. It's impossible. Pretty well. You it's can. Impossible. I've seen guys do it, but I mean, it's hard. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that I am totally um, terrible at this game. I do not know why I like it. I do not know why it's addictive. But I'm traveling across Germany, playing Spotify country music, driving this truck, and having the greatest time. Cool game, and it's on sale right now. Well, we'll have to play together. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, good. another one uh, is that it's on sale, just so you know, but it's in my library. It's in your library, Brian. Okay. 
Rocket League, eleven ninety nine. Come on, baby. pick it up today while it's hot. If you ever want to play with us, get Rocket League while it's on sale. I got Skull Girls as well. So I wanted a fighter game, a street fighting like game. And so I went and I started doing some research to find what good fighting game like Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat is out there for Linux that I don't have to use wine or something for. Skull Girls was the recommended top one. It's ridiculously fun game out there. So it's Skull Girls. Skull Girls. Yep. Really? It's it's anime, you know, based graphics that over the top Japanese style graphics with kind of the silly moves, but the combos that you can do. The do you play maneuver. this on Hannah Montana Linux? Or? Oh yeah, it, that would be perfect. <laughs> it would fit perfectly in this Hannah Montana Linux. Uh, it's got a storyline mode, you know, kind of a weak one, kind of like Street Fighter had, but it's got a storyline in there as well. You could play it online. It's a really good kick butt game there Rocco so go buy Skull Girls I can't wait to see you playing it Rocco um, that is one that you're never going to see on my wish list or <laughs> in my library you, come on Zev Skull Girls no no alright I'm all by myself how about this one Star Wars Knights of Old Republic 2 is that what English Bob's playing I don't know I haven't seen I don't know if that's what, I don't know if that's what he's playing or not yeah he's playing Swota whatever Swota is Star Wars The Old Republic Okay, the original, may, maybe, or he might be playing part two. The Old Republic, one of my favorite games of all time. A fantastic mm-hmm. game. Great RPG in the Star Wars world. I never got to play two, by the way, so I'm playing it now. It's an old game. It's got old dated graphics. But, but you like old things. Fun to play. Oh, my gosh, Rock. <laughs> Go back to your iPad desktop at Gnome. <laughs> well, look, you can buy all these games now from the Steam Winter Sale, but yeah. one way you can't buy them. No. Is through Bitcoin. It's gone. It's gone. So if you have any Bitcoin laying around, it ain't working on the Steam winter sale. Well, Bitcoin's not gone, but Steam's not going. Valve's not going to take Bitcoin anymore. And I do not blame this for one bit. I mean, when you look at the volatility of Bitcoin and how it skyrockets and drops in the 25 percentiles in a single day, how could you base a product selling products based on something that volatile. So Bitcoin's awesome. It's great. But until it kind of flatlines, I see a lot of people probably going, I'm not so sure I'm going to trade products for uh, Bitcoin just yet. So you talked about wish lists. Mm-hmm. So what if you could actually, you know, pick things on your wish list based on platform? It would be a dream, Rocco. It would be a dream. Well, Steam now has a form of platform-specific wish listing, just in case you wanted to know. So they've added a really nice feature um, that should help the communication between gamers and developers to know whether or not they want to play it on Linux or on Another platform. I don't know if there's is there other pla- yeah there's other platforms because I have it. But, yeah, Mac and other stuff. Yeah. Um, so one of the new features is that you can be filled out and you can let the developer know that this is what I want. I dem- I want on demand. I want Linux as the operating system for this game. So what do you think? Yeah. I think this is amazing. I mean, this this is such a fantastic, instead of spamming forums and everything else, you could go to the game, you could basically set in your wish list that you want the developer for uh, to make a version for Linux, and they're going to see the count there, and they'll know if there's enough, um, 
you know, need for or, or want for their product. The problem is, is if people don't do this and there's something very yep. important that you have to do here and you have to go into steam and you have to go into your settings and set your platform preferences. It doesn't matter if you choose windows, Mac or steam OS, but you've got to check one or you will not see this option. And so make sure you go into your settings and do that. And then number two is people are going to actually have to do that. Every time you see a game, you're going to have to go in there and put on your wish list. Otherwise what they're going to see is Linux. Four people want it. Well, I'm not going to go make my game for that. Right. Four people. So, you know, people really need to start using this feature. I think it's fantastic. The steam's doing it. but mm-hmm. it's gotta be used. Yeah. But I think that's what, okay. We always talk about how we can help the community, how we can, what can I do to help out? These are the things that you can do to help out. You may not be able to support people with um, with money to every project. You may not be able to develop code, but you can do things like this. Mm-hmm. And you can pick your operating system and say, hey, I want Linux. So it, it may be a pain to go in and set a setting or to check it in in your wish list for you know Linux specifically. But these are the things that you can do to help out uh, Linux grow. I think it's awesome. Yep. Absolutely. So I know being um, someone who likes to run old antiquated things, Rocco, that you would love this new this new story of Atari, <laughs> Atari's, uh, you know, official console here. Well, I did like it. I mean, because uh-huh. it w- it did say that we were going to be able to pre-order by December 14th, but. That's what you were saving your Steam money for. I was saving my Steam money for that pre-order for the Atari box and the joystick. Because if you're going to have, you know, the Atari box, Mm -hmm. you don't want a regular, like, new controller, right? I mean, you want it to be... You want it to you want be that, real. You want that old antiquated joystick with the button. Yeah. That square peg thing. You you want yeah. you want it to be uh, true to form. So right. you want. The well, joystick. they're not. This is not just a retro console. So it, but it will have the joystick, which is neat, and you could play retro games on it. But it's really important to note here that this is going to run an unnamed Linux distro entirely. Yep. So you. You can go and install Steam on it and play other games and things on it as well. So it's a complete desktop distribution, and it will have some preloaded Atari At class. least that's the goal, right? That's the goal. Hmm. And there's no specs specifically out there, but there's little rumors here and things coming out little by little. And what they seem to have confirmed is it'll have an AMD CPU and a Radeon GPU and they think the price is going to be around $299. But then again, they thought we were going to be able to pre-order on December 14th too, and that didn't happen. So there you go. More time. So just give it time. Give it time. We'll see what comes out. But it's neat to see Atari making a Linux-based console. Right. All right. So what is this next story, Ryan? This incredible-looking story-based action platformer? Why would you... Uh, present this incredible story like that, Rock. <laughs> Let me tell you, hours of twisting platform action adventure will await <laughs> you in this game, a kind of class, if I can only pronounce it. Um, so this is a really unique um, retro style game that I'm sure you could appreciate, Rocco. 
I mean, this is probably in the generation of games that you played. Wow. But it reminds me, wow. it reminds me of the Nintendo, you know, the Mega Man style graphics, but it has some of that Nintendo RPG ish like elements to it, you know, where there's some storyline, there's some interacting with people, but ultimately you're running around blasting at people and fighting big bosses. And it's 20 plus gear grinding, screen filling boss battles. Wait, a heart wrenching epic. Can one mechanic fix the whole world? I mean, look at that storyline. <laughs> that storyline obviously took a ton of time to come. I up. mean, uh, that's lots of. <laughs> lot. Okay, so the developer has been working on it for seven years. Yeah. So I'm sure I, I'm trying not, you know, like I'm making fun of it, but I, I re- I'm not trying to make fun of the developer or what he's trying to do, uh, because obviously that's a long time and a lot of effort was put into it, but. I can't imagine how much time he's put into it. I mean, well, I, I think his game is kind of tongue in cheek in the aspect of the storyline. So, but the game itself to me actually looks like a blast to play and it comes out for PS4, PS Vita, PC, Mac, and Linux out there. So he, his wow. seven years, he's basically launching this game on all of these platforms it's an action adventure. It looks fun. If you're into that style of game, those those kind of old school Mega Man like shooters, you're gonna have a good time with this one. This game reminds me of why I never grew up a gamer. <laughs> you don't like those type of games? No. Yeah, there, there's certain people that see nostalgia in it, and there's certain people that want they want the new stuff. I actually enjoy those those style of games sometimes, but I have to be in a mood for it. It's kind of like music, yep. certain music, certain times. Certain times I feel like a retro game. Other times I want something brand new, cutting edge, you know. But that's, that doesn't sound like you, though. I mean, usually like old things. and No, I mean, cutting edge, XSCE, baby. <laughs> <laughs> cutting edge and works. Okay, so in the Valley of Gods... Uh-huh. is another new game that I think would blow the last one away because it looks absolutely amazing. Well, how dare you compare two completely different things? Look, this game is from the makers of Firewatch and you would know you'll notice the the similarities immediately because it looks beautiful. Yes, it does. Unlike other games. But anyway, it's a first person first person first person <laughs> adventure game that's set in Egypt in the nineteen twenties. And I think I think that setup, you know, that's like a popular thing. Like to me, that like is intriguing to play a game in that setting. Yeah. So Well Firewatch definitely, you know, was a it was an indie game, but it was an extraordinarily popular indie game. Um, so them continuing to support Linux and releasing their next game for Linux is awesome. Let me just get that out of the way. But number two with the game itself, it, it has an absolute, based on the trailer, which is all we have right now, mm-hmm. the, the soundtrack for the trailer is amazing. It's so fitting into the story and gets you totally pumped for the game. Yep. There's puzzle elements to it. It looks like Tomb Raider. This, These games, Firewatch, and I'm sure this one, they don't seem to focus a lot on violence or fighting and that type of stuff. It's more of storyline and exploration, which I'm sure is kind of the based which, on the which trailer. I enjoy. Yeah, the trend that they're continuing, and I think that's an awesome area to really develop games in because not a lot of people do that, right? Everybody just focuses on the the violence and all that type of stuff in action. Yep. All right, so we talked enough about 2017 and everything that's happened. Mm-hmm. Ryan. Yeah. 
we have to make a prediction for 2018. I've got I've got all kinds of predictions. All right, for you. so give me a prediction for 2018 that is in your mind got to happen. Rocco goes to XFCE. <laughs> it's going to happen in 2018, people, and he's not going to look back. Now, it may not be full XFCE; it could be peppermint. But I'm telling you, in 2018, Rocco will be running XFCE. Wow! You know, yeah. I might have agreed with you. I might have thought you had a chance with that prediction. Mm-hmm. Before I installed Solus, but now that I've installed Solus, I don't. Are you I'm... saying your distro hopping days are over and you're never going to move from Solus? Well, I can't say that I mean, because breaking news. I've been a uh, I've been with DHA for a long time, founding member, mm-hmm. of course, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you what, Solus has been running fabulous for me. I what I did was I tried it last week. I couldn't get it installed. Okay, and Went and talked to another guy who was available, Chuck Harrington, one of the guys that has offered to help in the past. Awesome mm-hmm. guy. And he said to me, if you ever you know, have any issues with it, let me know and we'll try to work them out. So I messaged him and I said, look, I can't get Solus to boot. And I get it to boot. I get the – I had to do it in no mode set. But immediately after you install it, it doesn't give you a grub screen or anything so you can't put it in no mode set again in order to install the nvidia drivers hmm. so he came up with and i actually saw it on the website after if i would have read it but <laughs> read, read the manual Rocky. read the manual but there if you hit the space bar while booting you'll be able to get the menu where you can enter no mode set so anyway he helped me not only with that but he helped me with a couple programs that were not working properly in Solus right off the start, like Zoom, for example, um, you have to download it and run it from the folder. And I was having a back end error somewhere along the line, and he worked me with me with that. So, Chuck, I really appreciate your help. And That's awesome. it got me to the point where I can run Solus now and everything runs. And I don't think that I'm going to be looking back. Wow. Unless That's something major shit. happens, dude, I'm not looking back. Wow. Impressive. So what's your 2018 prediction? Well, my 2018... 28- Did you stay with Solus the entire year? Is that a prediction there? Jeez, uh, that's a crazy prediction. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go that far, dude. I'm going to make... Uh, well, okay, I'll have mo- I'll have one more after this, but I'm going to make a prediction that I'm going to stick with Solus for the year. Wow. That's crazy. That's Zeb. Zeb, what do you got for us? <sighs> Mine is not... Um, a positive prediction. Um, but I predict that we'll, as NVIDIA users, we'll still be battling with Wayland mm. at the end of 2018. I think that's a I fair... I just don't difference. think those two corporations will work together for the good of the community. Yeah. Um, and whether that's going to be Wayland's fault or NVIDIA's fault, um, that that's my prediction for 2018. Uh, we'll, we'll I hope you're wrong, Zeb. I really do. I hope I'm wrong. Um, I hope my prediction is as good as Stuart's predictions when he was on the show. <laughs> By I, the way, Stuart's been hanging out in the Telegram wait, right there. That was, I'm sorry, one of the best Destination oh, Linux episodes we have done. I, we've got to give another shout out to Stuart. Yep. Absolutely. I, wa- I rewatched that episode and practically was in tears. The dude is hilarious, man. Wait, I Not edited only this. But knowledgeable and just fun i edited this this episode for how many hours i think the first render was eight and a half hours or something like that and yet i still listened to it after it was done 
Like oh. in the in the comments <laughs> on the YouTube video, people were like, "I had to stop watching it and finish <laughs> laughing and then continue." Like, I mean, what a great guy! But man. he was such a great guest. Uh, intelligent guy. You could ask him pretty much anything and he'd have mm-hmm. a good answer for you, an intelligent answer. Mm-hmm. And yet still had so much humor and just everything involved. It was awesome. So thank yep. you, Stuart. Definitely. So, so on, a, on a positive spin for 2018, I don't think you two will ever grow up and you'll always be podding and proking each other. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. I think yeah. you're right. All right. What's another prediction for 2018, Ryan? Linux overtakes Mac OS in market share. Wow, that's pretty bold, dude. Yep. I think Mac has about 6% right now. I think Linux is going to overtake the Mac. Uh, Apple has continued to make massive mistakes with their platform. The people who've utilized it in the past uh, for, you know, whatever you use a Mac for. (laughs) Um, The people who've utilized it in the past have been extraordinary. I I watch a lot of tech review videos. They've been extraordinarily disappointed with Mac's offering, with their updates. I think that this is the year Linux could overtake them. How about that? Is that 6% with or without Chromebooks? With Chromebooks. With Chromebooks, okay. Yes. Chromebooks have to be in there. Wow. <laughs> Let's not go crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So one more prediction I'm going to make is that mm-hmm. at some point this year, we're going to see a distribution, whether it be a new one or one of the existing ones. We're going to see a distribution with not just Snap support, but total Snap support where not snap supports the wrong way of saying it where everything out of the software store is based on a snap. Everything. That's interesting. Wow. Okay. Could happen. Certainly make it easier for uh, some of the development, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. All right. It got any more predictions? I have one more. Tell me a Linux phone lands on a major U S carrier this 2018. Really? My prediction. Do you have any ideas of which Linux phone this might be? I have no inside information. <laughs> I have no inside information, but I, I'm predicting someone's going to do a, not an Android variant, by the way, because it's not really Linux, a Linux phone, and it will hit a major U.S. carrier. I don't know which one, but it will hit one. That's my Wait, prediction. The first prediction, Zeb, he said, had to include Chromebooks. Mm-hmm. And then the second prediction, he said, you can't run, you can't include Android because it's not <laughs> real Linux. <laughs> I, I want to make sure my prediction wins. So when he gave me the option, sure, includes Chrome. And I want to, and I want to yeah. say, uh, Zeb, he does work for the telecom industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Isn't that scary? Mm-hmm. All right. So this episode will release on Christmas Day. Ridiculous for us to release an episode on Christmas Day because nobody's going to listen to this. But uh, <laughs> of course they will, Rock. Great planning on Destination Linux part. <laughs> we have one more uh, thing we've got to get out of the what, way. What do we got to do? Uh, you know, there were some individuals when uh, Patreon made some changes uh, to their fee system. They have since backed away from those changes. So they're not making it. One thing I want to mention first is our patrons remained completely loyal during this time. I was seeing content creators literally scrambling to try to find another alternative because they were losing 
their patrons so fast, but ours did not. But some of them did message us and say, hey, we want some other ways to, uh, you know, be able to donate to you guys because we don't trust Patreon anymore. So number one, thank you to all of our patrons for continuing to remain loyal, even through Patreon making some bad decisions that thankfully they reverse. So most of you will stay on Patreon and it would be uh, fine there. But we wanted to give an alternative for individuals who wanted something different who still may not trust it or just want to use something, an alternative to it. So we've set up Libra pay yep. and we have that Rocco, you set it up on the website. You did a fantastic job. It's under supporting uh, destination Linux. So you have the option there of doing the Patreon or the Libra pay, and you're going to get the same uh, perks that you get as a patron that you will on Libra pay. So we, Number one, thank you to our fans for staying with us. Number two, thank you for those reaching out to us to, that wanted an alternative, and we hope this will be a good one for you guys. Yep. So the Patreon's not going away, but we're adding LibrePay. And, you know, in the future, who knows, there may be more ways. But for right now, this is a this is a good alternative, a good option for people who, you know, there are people out there who, you know, when something like this happens – uh, when when a company like Patreon, although I have to give props to them for backtracking right. and doing the right thing and changing it back, um, some people you know get a bad taste in their mouth and they don't want to use that company's product anymore. So this gives everybody an option in case that happens. Yep. Okay, so I think that's it for everything that we got to cover. Everybody have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, Ryan. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Rocco. Merry Christmas, Ryan and Rocco. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Zeb. All right, so you have a great week. And remember, the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. I was trying to show, yeah. transition me. You were trying to, yeah. 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 There's nothing better in editing when when somebody's moving like this. There's nothing better trying to transition a scene instead of somebody being perfectly still. <laughs> it's going to be such a smooth edit. Let me tell you. <laughs> all right, Zeb. He does this to me all the time. He's making me work. I know. All it's the time. Okay. He doesn't want to do Destination Linux. He just wants to wind you up. Yeah, that's it, man. I get you going. I bring the fire. Yeah. Oh. Um, everything will continue to be rubbish, I think, is currently my prediction. And I hide Ryan's sometimes as well. I just don't let him know that I do. You hide a lot of my mistakes. I can see the cut. <laughs> Anytime I'm talking and it cuts, I'm like, I must have said something dumb. <laughs> I appreciate you doing that. Only for you. Nobody's listening to me. What were you talking? Exactly. Just wanted to hear by myself. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Continue on. <laughs> <laughs> Things I do for friends.
You don't have any of those. You know, while we're recording and keep drinking, it's so uh, I've got to wait till Rocco goes on one of his tangents and then I take a sip. Oh, bam. Did you see how I slipped that in there? Oh, <laughs> man. Happy holidays, Rocco. Right. You are mess- very busy. You are messing me up. I'm very busy right you now. You are messing me up. I'm trying to position these things right, and you're messing me up, darn it. You don't treat talent like this. It's all good, dude. You know how many times I... I... I love it. Zeb makes it, and you have to edit, and you're like, it's all good, dude. Me, I get called a loser. You should know better. What the hell? <laughs> I mean, I'm sick of this show. <laughs> You don't know how many times. Who do you think you I, are? I have to edit out some ridiculous comment that I've made. Yes, Rocco, get off your soapbox now. It was all Ryan's idea to have me edit more. Zeb, you should see the fifteen pages of articles we have here that Rocco made me fill out. That's a, a slight exaggeration, perhaps <laughs> just a little tiny bit, maybe. I, I, it's disastrous. Are you whining? God. Yeah. I Just can only like see you. 14. I think you're oh. exaggerating. There's only 14. Oh, there there is Hold, on. Only 14. Hold on, let me add a page here. Yeah, there's only 14, Zeb. Trust me. Let, me. let me add a page. Really? <laughs> yeah. Now there's 15. <laughs> <laughs> I do that. Uh, Ryan says about the, all the time it takes for me to edit, and he is correct that it does take a lot of time for me to edit, but what he doesn't tell you is all the work he puts in on the back end. Mm-hmm. I put in links. I can put articles in, or he'll even make the document up beforehand and start adding the articles already. And I will just add a few in. But like yesterday, I added like I don't know what ten articles in here last you were night. Mad at me, I thought I'm like he's mad at me. Last night I added ten <laughs> articles, and all I do is put in the link, and he goes in and he researches it and puts in all of the notes that you see. So yeah, he does a lot of the browser. Yeah, he does a lot of that back-end work that nobody sees as well, so it's not like he's not doing anything. We make mm. a good team, man. I was going to say, it's a good team. It is. Definitely. 